Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today, I'm joined, as always, by Greg. Hey, hey. And we will be reviewing Munchkin. But first, we've got Tales from the Tabletop. Yes, we've got Tales from my tabletop, actually. I have mm-hmm. had the chance to play in two different D&D campaigns, or play in one and GM another. Yeah. So the first was a campaign that's set in Emerald Spire. I don't actually remember if I've mentioned it. I think you've at least mentioned it, but I I don't remember you going into very big detail about it. Emerald Spire is a Pathfinder super dungeon. They basically rounded up a whole bunch of their uh, most famous, most prestigious level designers and were like, hey, we're going to make this 13-story super dungeon, Mm -hmm. and we want each of you to design a floor. So you've got a whole bunch of different thematic floors. They actually, it's, it's called the Spire, but it doesn't go up. It goes down into the earth, or rather comes up from deeper in the earth and you just happen to start at the top and you go through them in sequence so some of them are very classic you know dungeon delvey full of traps full of spiders full of skeletons a very classic sort of ethic others of them are more maybe you have to diplomatize your way through a thieves guild that's trying to stand in your way which is what we did this most recent time except instead of diplomatizing we went through their storeroom, and then we killed 10 of them. <laughs> Very diplomatic. Uh, oh, so diplomatic, yeah. Super good. This is how this went. We went through their storeroom. We killed a couple of them, but not before they rang this bell mm-hmm. that brought others of them to the corridor where we were fighting. Makes but unfortunately for us, the corridor that we were fighting was right next to this statue that was pumping out gas. It was invisible gas. It was, it was, you know, yeah. a mind-affecting poison that hit everyone who failed their fortitude save with synesthesia. Um, All right. So three of my party members failed their saves. Okay. I didn't have to make a save because I used a little bit of meta-awareness and noticed that there were masks mm-hmm. that these people were wearing that had little reservoirs of liquid in them. Mm-hmm. And I put one on, and it turns out that the liquid was like an antidote that released a vapor okay. that counteracted this synesthesia poison. So I was fine, but it meant that after we spent several minutes killing some dudes, I had to sort of shepherd my party members <laughs> as they were on the worst trip of their lives, um, <laughs> which I nobly did by abandoning them in a dungeon. I went Sounds great. I went back to town. I hiked several hours back to town to try to find a healer. Unfortunately, the nearest town is actually a Chelish town and in hmm. uh, Pathfinder Chiliax is the lawful evil devil worshipping uh-huh. country. So there were no clerics there who were willing to accompany me and cast uh, restoration or any similar such thing. Hmm. And obviously those spellcasting services were a little bit out of range of a third-level adventurer's price anyway. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. Yeah. Um, so I went back to the room in the dungeon where I had locked my tripping friends. Yeah. And just kind of made some heal checks, made some untrained heal checks until they, let's be honest, they really just came down on their own. Yeah. Um, they healed that ability damage over time on their own. One of them recovered from their paralysis. That's good. Because uh, that was an additional thing. There was a <laughs> there was a, a wisdom poison, which was the synesthesia poison. And then that character, who is our catfolk swashbuckler, mm-hmm. had also taken a hit from a short sword and failed a fortitude save against dexterity poison. 
I believe. So they were mm. they were paralyzed and also tripping balls. It was a really bad day <laughs> for all of them. But after all of this, we went back down into the dungeon to the level where we had just murdered a bunch of dudes. And we found out that they were members of a thieves guild, the leader of whom was like, why are you back here? You killed all my guys, <laughs> but didn't kill us on sight. And we are now members of said guild. We have been initiated into that guild. And as such, we have earned the right to free passage. That sounds suspect. It's a little bit weird. And we my... killed 10 of your guys. Now you are part of our group. Well, so she's very pragmatic. Okay. Uh, and she acknowledges that, hey, yeah, I'm down... I'm down like 10 dudes. Maybe I could use these mooks. So that I think that it's a very practical reasoning situation. Okay. That said, my character is a lawful neutral monk. Oh, yeah. This is your monk. Right? Yeah. And I am uh, less okay with this. <laughs> I, I was not asked to actually make any supplication to Norgorber, who yeah. is their patron. Had I been, I would have objected much more strenuously. But as it stands, I'm just objecting quietly until okay. such time as we can use the guild for whatever it is that we're going to okay that makes sense so yeah that was quite an adventure um sounds like it. and then <laughs> i also the very next day actually had a chance to run uh the dnd campaign that i'm running for some friends mm. of mine one of my coworkers and some of her friends are friends now and that went all right as is common Mm-hmm. with players they went in a completely different direction than i had planned for yep so i had to sort of make some things up on the fly <laughs> they ended up investigating some mining tunnels okay which open up the miners delved too greedily and too deep or so on uh, and punched through into a cavern mm-hmm. wherein there are some troglodytes mm. which are about to attack my party it took a while and this is actually one thing that i sort of acknowledged there but actually do want to to mention I, I sort of dropped the ball on was that I think I messed up the pacing of that particular mm. episode. There was a lot of conversation, but not a lot of very impactful conversation. Yeah. You know, not a lot of opportunities to gain new information. It was mostly just, hey, you're the person who would authorize us to do this thing. Can we do the thing now? Great. Yeah. And then also with in terms of the exploration going through the caves and getting to the point where they enter the cavern, I think I definitely could have expedited that a little bit. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yep. And now we're going to open the next session with one of them getting pounced on by a troglodyte. So you can't really get a lot faster than that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a trial by fire, like right there, like yep. opening the session. Trial by stench, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, I guess yeah, that, yeah. that's true. But um, uh, yeah, so those are my, my yeah. tales from the tabletop this past weekend. We actually got a chance to play a favorite of ours. Mm-hmm. And that was on stream on Saturday. And we got to play The Quiet Year. We did, which was just delightful. It's been a while since we've gotten to play. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool to get back into it. And so The Quiet Year was actually interesting because we had some new people playing with us. Yeah. And it just changes how the game feels almost. And like just the direction as the games go. Because I'm very much focused on a lot of almost medieval fantasy and or like you know, more primitive type things. Whereas here, one of our major, one of our starting abundances was hydroelectric power. Yeah, that was definitely unconventional, I guess, for the, I mean, I think I've played four games, you've played three. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we have a big sample size, but yeah, that was definitely different. It was different, but like not in a bad way at all. It was just, it was just a very different type of gameplay almost that like we incorporated that at least to a degree Mm -hmm. into the into the gameplay yeah and it was also it was really great 
to sort of get back into it and have the, you know, it's such a unique narrative experience. And yeah. I think one of the things that you pointed out to me after we finished the game was that that was really the first time we'd seen contempt tokens. Yeah. Taken. Yeah. I mean, we only took, I think between the three of us, we took four tokens. Something like that. But and even, that, returned. even that was more than we had previously. And I think yeah. it just goes to show you how entertaining it can be to have these tensions over the direction that you want the narrative to go. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that we're pretty conciliatory people. Yeah. We tend to yeah, agree yeah. on a lot of things. So having, you know, someone in the mix who wasn't afraid to say like, you know, no, I wanted this to go in a different way or push back. Was... Well, the funny part was that uh, you were the one who caused mo- most of the contempt tokens. You know what? That was with one particular decision, which I don't, seemed perfectly reasonable. It was me. perfectly reasonable. It was de- definitely reasonable. It was just, I think that all three of us actually got into the mindset of a certain faction within the, yeah. group, the group. Like we didn't, we didn't almost play a, what we did before, which was playing as more of an overarching mm-hmm. kind of like push of the community whereas this time we almost like took sort of control of certain factions in there and therefore had more disagreements in terms of like what our ideologies were oh for sure so i thought it was i, I thought it was very interesting i i definitely really enjoyed it as i normally do and the quiet year is just keeps getting more and more solidified in my mind for uh uh, being like a really really great like world building kind of rpg oh absolutely and it's i mean if you look at it as a, a board game maybe it takes a little while but if you look at it certainly as an rpg it's very quick yeah you yeah. know it's it's just you play through it a couple hours three four hours and then you're done and i, I actually really like the uh the components that we were using like the, oh yeah the, no the, we the cards. Uh, yeah we, we this was our first time using sort of the pre-printed materials and they were very I mean, they were nicely printed, high quality, mm-hmm. definitely clear, you know, different colors for spring, summer, fall, yeah, so on and so forth. Yeah, I I liked it. I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Those are some tales from the tabletop. What ho! There is a plutonium dragon afoot. I shall defeat it and get to level 10. Haha, <laughs> not if it's an ancient plutonium dragon. <laughs> But I still have my broadsword. It keeps me more powerful than this dragon. Not if you have a chicken on your head. Haha, <laughs> what you do now, because you're cursed. Curses! Back to level one. And I get all your stuff. <laughs> and that is the essence of Munchkin. Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> actually just a transcript from the last game that we played. Pretty much. Munchkin is pretty legendary. It's been around for easily 10 15 years yeah something like that it's been around for a while it's one of the more widely known board games that like uh, people who know more than just monopoly know (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and it's it's quite popular it's got a lot going for it it's fun it's quick Mm -hmm. it's very goofy you know it it takes a lot of the tropes that you find in a DD campaign it plays with those the term munchkin actually comes from sort of a derisive term for someone who would just min-max their character and and go all out to try to make sure that their character was the best even at the expense sometimes of their party members yep so you know there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor a lot of you know whining to the gm yeah uh, was a convenient math error i think yep. is one of yep. the cards that's so, also one of the cards um, there's definitely a lot of really built-in humor and attractiveness for anybody who plays tabletop rpgs yeah yeah there's there's a lot of very interesting like i think the flavor of the game is very interesting because it is pretty much taking a funny view of the dungeon crawl mentality 
Yeah, definitely. And as we were saying in the intro, the goal of the game is just to get to level 10. You're, right. you're an adventurer. You start as human, and as you go exploring, you can gain a race, you can gain a class, uh, you can gain all different kinds of equipment. You also actually choose whether you're male or female at the beginning, and that actually does have a, a difference in the game. Mm-hmm. And the way that a turn pretty much works is simple. You start, you kick down a door. And if you kick down a door, you draw the top card of the, the door deck, and if it is a monster... You have to either fight it or flee. If it is a treasure, you gain that treasure. Yep. If you defeat the monster, yay, you defeated a monster. You usually go up at least one level. Yep, generally speaking. If you try to flee, most of the time you have to roll a die. If you get a five or above, you are able to flee. Otherwise, you have to stay and fight the monster. Mm -hmm. And then if you didn't encounter a monster, you can then do one of two things. You can either look for trouble, which means that you are going through and looking for something to fight, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, it's a it's a monster that you play from your hand that you either gained earlier as mm-hmm. uh, a card draw off the top of the deck, or you gained from looting the room. Yeah, which, which is, is the, the second action that you can do. And that just means that you take whatever card is at the top of the door deck and put that into your hand. Exactly. Um, and that's really the, the fundamentals of the turn each of those goes around in sequence each person takes their turn and most of the gameplay centers around combat each time you defeat a monster as jacob mentioned there's a pretty good chance you're going to go up at least one level yeah so all of it is around making sure that your effective level is higher than the monster's effective Mm -hmm. level so as we mentioned you've got your own character level which ranges from one to ten you've got equipment that you can use you've got classes and races that give you sort of a boosts or kind of increase your ability to use better equipment yeah and then you've got consumables that you can use so you can temporarily weaken the monster you can temporarily buff yourself stuff like that Mm -hmm. um if all of that is still not enough you can ask for help yeah so if you're facing a monster that you either can't Mm -hmm. or don't want to because you don't have to play the stuff that's in your hand that you don't want to expend resources to defeat you can ask if someone is willing to assist you um, mm-hmm. generally speaking, they won't be willing to do so unless you bribe them. Or they're elves. Or they're elves, right. <laughs> elves get extra stuff if they assist someone because they're goody two-shoes. Yep. So you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can offer them cards from your hand currently. Mm-hmm. You can offer them a share of the loot. All the monsters will have you know stuff that you gain. After defeating them, you can say, all right, you can have one out of these two cards. And so at this and point, so a lot of times it, it actually becomes a bargaining chip of who gets to choose first. Like yeah, you get to have one of the the loot cards, and you also get to choose first versus you know you get whatever my leftovers are. Right, exactly, and so you can kind of play with the value of your uh, your bribe in that way. But once a person has said yes, they are locked into helping you. Yeah, which is important because there's not actually a lot of rules about this that are locked in. Um, <laughs> the rules in Munchkin are, shall we say? flexible fudgeable fudgeable i think is a great term um it's basically only cheating if you get caught yeah if you you know there's a hand limit of five if you have more than five cards in your hand you don't have to discard until someone calls you on it if you you know cheaty face a card into play that you didn't actually spend from your hand or that you pulled off the top of the deck secretly that's totally fair Mm -hmm. um and it really just sort of contributes to the cutthroat nature of the game but also kind of like a ah, i gotcha you know like yeah. i i'm 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 pulling a fast one on you 
Mm-hmm. That's really the feel, like the core of the game feel. Yeah. I think is that, you know, wanting to be better than someone and whether that's, you know, better than them at sleight of hand and engineering a situation where you're on top or whether that's actually just avatar strength and better them them, you know, because of the cards that you have or the equipment yeah. that you have and so on. Though this also fully extends like, you know, wanting to be better than your your other players extends to PvP because Munchkin has a lot of indirect PvP. You're never gonna going to pit your own character against another player's character. Right. But the things that you can do are just as helping a character can you know give them bonuses to effective level and strength and all that. You can also do the same thing for the monster. Mm-hmm. And anyone can do that. Yep. So you know they can you know make the monster ancient and so give them a, a huge boost in power like double it they, they can add another monster to the mix if they have certain cards and things like that so there's a lot of stuff that can happen that can pretty much allow other players to mess with you oh yeah absolutely and again this is where some of the humor comes from you know you can take a uh, an ancient humongous nose or something you know yeah, you can exactly. you can add silly ridiculous modifiers to an ancient potted plant there you go exactly something like that so it's definitely just a, a lot of built-in goofiness but it is also again another way to pull a fast one on yeah. your opponents you know you've got those resources in hand that you can expend to help you win but once you're tapped out i've got this additional thing that can make it so that you're no longer defeating the monster yeah and that is almost what every single game comes down to is yeah. just one person gets to level nine. Yep. And then once they are about to get to level 10, they're facing the monster that's going to get them to level 10. Everyone realizes that they're about to win. And so they go all out preventing that from happening. Mm-hmm. Unless, again, if you're like an elf and you have some sort of pact where like, oh, I'm yeah. going to age you so that I also go to level 10, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it leads to definitely a lot of dogpile situations. Mm-hmm. You know, the first one to get to level nine, they're going to draw a lot of aggro. And then the second person to level nine, they're also going to draw a lot of aggro. But if people haven't had a chance to recover yeah. from their the previous dogpile, then that person's probably just going to breeze to victory because some, yeah. everybody else is tapped out. So that can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. It can also be frustrating because if you lose against a monster and you die, among yeah. among the types of bad stuff is you die, yeah. which is frequently what happens against like the higher level monsters. You go back to level one. Mm-hmm. You lose all your gear. Yep. And you have to start completely from scratch. So yep. if you have enough time in between characters getting to level nine that you can reliably stop them, then the game can basically go on forever. Yep. yep. Because yep. you just keep falling back and losing all your gear and having to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really frustrating when that happens. And then it becomes who, which one of the players has the best endurance. Right. Yeah. It's literally, there have been games with Munchkin that we have each played. Yeah. Where people have just gone up and left the table. They've said, we've been here for three hours. Like, yeah. this is clearly going nowhere. I have better shit to do. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, all of this sounds like we've sort of segued in there already, but no game is perfect. It's something that I think Jacob and I can both talk about yeah. a lot with this particular game. Yep. Uh, the dog pile is certainly one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a type of situation that doesn't have to happen. You can make some tweaks to the mechanics. Even... Just make it so that the penalties for failure mm-hmm. are less. You know, if you die, sure, you still lose all your equipment, but you only go down one level. Yeah. Something like there, that. There are definitely home rules that can improve that mess. It really can... The dogpile mechanic, especially combined with the fact that you, you go down to level one when you die, 
that really kills a lot in the game. And this just gets to the pretty much all or nothing nature of Munchkin. Mm -hmm. Because it it is, like Greg was saying, that, you know, first person, level 9, you're going to draw all the aggro. So you almost don't want to be that first person, level 9, unless you think that no one's going to be able to stop you. But everyone's going to try to stop you. Everyone's going to try to put the the cards against you and just knock you right back down as far as possible. But this can just be a circle. Like, you know, one person goes to nine, they go back down while everyone else is at five. Then the next person gets up to nine, they go back down. And it just, like, keeps going like that. And we've had three-plus-hour games of Munchkin. Mm -hmm. And it can be tedious. Oh, yeah. Because you're just reshuffling the decks. You're getting everything back. No one wants to really give up. Or, like, you know, if you are trying to get out of the game, it's, it's hard to do that. And... You know, it can also become a kingmaker situation of like, you know, who you're going to help and that kind of stuff. Right. Who just decides that they're going to, you know, throw the game in someone's favor. Yeah, exactly. So the way that it plays is just munchkin It's <laughs> um, It really is not my cup of tea. And I think that there are mitigation ways that you can do. But in terms of the, the rules as written... It has a lot of problems with just that all-or-nothing dogpiling mentality. Yeah. And similarly, it's funny that you mentioned mitigation because there is actually not a lot of ways to get around the pure luck component. Yeah. Um, you know, escaping is almost always a five or six on a D6. And so, you know, you've got a one-third chance to escape from a monster or bad stuff is going to happen. That feels pretty bad, especially when there's no, you know, there's no nuance to deck construction. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, this goes on top, this goes in the middle, this goes at the bottom. It's just strictly shuffle all the door cards together, yeah. put them into a pile, which means, you know, you can encounter a level 18 monster as a level one adventurer with a tiny sword yeah. and have no possible chance of, of defeating that. And the best you can do is hope to run away. Or you lose this sword that you have that may or may not have been actually pretty good. Yeah. So that can be very frustrating as well and just kind of contribute to a lot of the the like head desk mm-hmm. impression of this particular game that I get. Yeah. And I yeah. think... The, my desk definitely has, has been hit by my head many times because of this game. <laughs> and I think as we move into the final score, that's something to keep in mind is that a lot of this is going to be influenced by the fact that I certainly, and I think Jacob to an extent as well... Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of gotcha games. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of games where the primary draw is to dick over an opponent. We've talked about it before. I'd rather have games with like next to no player interaction. I love terraforming <laughs> Mars. Just stay out of my land. I'm going to build my engine and I'm going to do it better than anyone else. Brewcrafters yeah. is another one. But Munchkin is all about the gotcha and it's all about, you know, messing with other people to get ahead. Mm-hmm. So keeping that as a grain of salt. I also do think that there are games that follow some of those ideas that do it better. They do it in a less frustrating way. They do it in a way that isn't necessarily going to take, you know, three plus hours or 30 minutes because someone blitzed to victory. I think they're more balanced. And so I think I'm actually just going to give this a skip it. You know, it feels weird. It's been around for a long time. It's got quite a pedigree. Steve Jackson games, of course, vaunted. But no, I, I I would be perfectly happy never playing Munchkin again in my life. Yeah, so I have very strong thoughts about this. And first off, I will acknowledge the one thing that I think this game does well, which is the references. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it makes it really funny. I love the different references. 
everything from the plutonium dragon to whining at the gm to get a level losing your class to lose your class um and like you know the the sneaky bastard sword there's a lot of really really funny just references to things that we as tabletop role-playing game players know and love Mm -hmm. that being said the gameplay of this game is pretty much inexcusable to me I think that it is one of the games... Actually, I'll just go, go out and say my, my rating. For me, this is a burn it. Bum, bum, bum. This is the first game that we've rated uh, a burn it, or that I've even really thought about that, that hard as a, as a burn it. But I could be happy to never see Munchkin or any of its ilk again in my game library. Strong words, Mr. Poniatowski. Yeah, I just, I, I really don't like this game. It's the the pylon men- mentality of it. Everyone just going after the person who's on top. The fact that it can last from anywhere from like 30 minutes to three hours. And it's just tiring. It's like, you know, there are games that will last three hours that I really enjoy because they're fun. This one is not. <laughs> so I do not recommend this. I think that if you're thinking about buying it, don't uh and so actually that that was a perfect way to go into what games you should buy if you like this type of gotcha gameplay yeah buy these instead the one that uh, i'll say is actually like almost a revised version of munchkin except for the theme so a game called karmica came out on kickstarter not too long ago i think it was about a year year and a half ago it's available in all major retailers now and all that kind of stuff you could get online your local gaming store labyrinth anything and the cool part about karmica is that first off it does a very very small tweak for the leveling system because you have to get to a certain level it's still a race and everything like that the tweak is you can never go down a level once you get to a certain level, you are always there, so you are always in that position. And the other thing is that it really is a karma kind of game, in that whenever someone uses a power on you, you just get to go ahead and take it back and like use it on them later on. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more balance there. If you get screwed this one round, you can then use those cards that were used to screw you to screw someone else. Right. Or that person that, that, that screwed you. And it's much more of a balance that way because like if someone screws you in Munchkin, you're going right back down to the bottom. That's it. You're done. And you don't have it, you're not starting with anything, you're not getting anything positive, you're just having to build your way back up. Here at least you have like those kinds of like changes that you can go through. Yeah. I mean, I think uh Karmica is a great example of a game that is better at the things that Munchkin wants to be slightly different not quite the same gotcha gameplay but if you're looking for a game where you sort of progressively get better you build your character up and you can do more exciting things with your character and it's still got a ton of D references right exactly um thematically very similar is role player role player is literally a, a dice rolling game it's got you know plenty of D references not quite as humorous necessarily but they play it straight mm-hmm. but it's got that same sort of meta tie-in that is very well executed, I think. You know, the whole thing is about building a character from scratch, rolling your stats, acquiring mm-hmm. your gear, and it does have that sort of iterative building mechanic, but in a way that is more focused on a single character 
as opposed to you know so often with these types of games where you see it very zoomed out you're building a town yeah. you're building a stellar empire something like that so mm-hmm. if you're looking for a game that focuses on working through powering up your character but don't necessarily enjoy the the cutthroatness of munchkin definitely check out role player and there you have it that's our review of munchkin Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of Munchkin. Don't forget to join us Wednesday when we're going to have another variety stream. Also, Washington tickets are on sale now. It's going to be bigger and better than ever before. For Fast for Washington? No, not a, <laughs> not a joke to be had. Oh, um, but yeah, Washington 4 tickets are on sale. Absolutely get it. It's going to be great. We're going to be there. All your favorite Washington, D.C. area game designers, game publishers are going to be there. We hope to see you there. Yeah. And we also hope to see you next week for our 100th episode special. 